You've been listening to the weekly sermon from the Vine Church in Madison, Wisconsin, a spirit-filled family that makes disciples and plants churches among neighbors and nations through declaration and demonstration. For more information and service times, check out our website at www.thevinemadison.org. We are working our way through our vision series, in, um, and we do this every year where we want to just remind ourselves who we are as a church. So last year, last year, well, last year we did do this, but also last week um, we talked about the gospel and how we orbit around the truth of the gospel, what God is doing as a, as a plan from Genesis to Revelation to, to, to restore and renew all things in Christ and to deal with our sin and to make all things right. Along those lines, uh, I didn't do this in the first service, but I just want to remind you, um, we are doing uh, Porterbrook, which is kind of an intensive discipleship curriculum that we offer here at the Vine, and it's going on right now in, upstairs in the building next door. So this month, it's, it's basically a month of short courses that you can select to take. We'd love to have you take all nine, but if you can't, you can do one at a time. And so right now they're studying how the gospel applies to our life and changes our lives by believing the truth. What does that mean? And we're going to talk about that this morning. Next month, starting in October, just to give you a heads up, because I'd love for all of you to do it if you can, it's basically uh, a short course on the storyline of the Bible. Like how do you make sense of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? I was never taught that until seminary. And then once I learned that it's not, the Bible's just not like a book of do's and don'ts. No, it's a story of what God has done in history from beginning to, to, to from, from creation to recreation. And that's so vital for us to make sense of our Bible and to make sense of where we find ourselves right now in history and what that means for us. So if that's kind of like, if that sounds like, whoa, I've never heard the Bible talked about like that, I would encourage you to sign up for that. It's a really big deal. Um, there's my plug, all right? So today we're talking about community, uh, gospel community mission. What does that mean for us? We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 15. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. Um, it'll be on the screen or scroll to it on your device. Uh, Romans 15, 1 through 7, and Adriana is going to come and read that for us. Romans 15, 1 through 7. This is what Holy Scripture says. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live with such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, would you help us? seek to come underneath your word this morning. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a soft heart. Would you help us, Lord, 
we thank you. We come with a spirit of thankfulness this morning for your word and what it has a what it has the potential to accomplish in our lives if we are willing to listen. So would you make us those people, God? I pray you'd make me that kind of person. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning we're looking at community from the book of Romans. And so it's really important to recognize this morning that we're reading out of Romans chapter 15. And there's a lot in the book of Romans that preceded it. If you've never read the book of Romans, I'd love for you to just go home and slowly attempt to read it because Paul's doing something very unique. The book of Romans is probably the most explicit um, explanation of the gospel that we have in our Bibles. And he hits at it from beginning to end and all the implications and the, and the um, potential objections and how it addresses different people groups and, and, and they come together and we've got sin and how that was dealt with and the Holy Spirit is applied to our hearts and suffering and it just kind of runs the gamut. And he just lays out the essence of the gospel. And then in chapter 12, he, he shifts. And he says, in light of all of that being true, in terms of here's the facts, here's the truth, now the truth always has implications for our lives. In chapters 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, some 16, there's all these implications. And what you see is, so many of those implications have to do with how we live with one another in community, okay? You got to keep in mind that almost all of the letters of the New Testament, maybe with one exception, were written to groups of people. So the audience is always a communal audience, and it's the same here in the book of Romans. And so he says right out of the gate here in, in verse 1 of chapter 15, he's saying, if you're strong in your faith, if you're a mature Christian, we have the obligation in our community to not look down on those who might not be in the same place as us. But what's the word that he uses? He says, bear with, meaning being long-suffering, being patient, being understanding, being empathetic. So in Christian Christian community is the opposite of Darwinian evolution, where the strong eat the weak, right? That's just raw nature. In nature, the strong eat the weak. That's just what happens, right? And we don't operate that way, Paul says. No, no, it's the opposite. The strong don't eat the weak. The strong bear with the weak, right? And we're not all about selfishness. We're not all about ourselves. He says here, not to please ourselves. In fact, let each of us please his neighbor. See the other-centeredness here? Beautiful community is other-centered. It's not just about me. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. I'm thinking about building you up. You're thinking about building me up. That's what it says here at the end of verse 2. To build him or her up. And then he says, for Christ did not please himself. So remember who Christ is. Remember who you say you follow. You follow one who was not all about himself. He gave of himself to the ultimate degree. But as it's written, now he's quoting Psalm 69. The reproaches of those who approached you fell on me. Meaning I was your substitute. I took the hit. Remember, he's applying what was said centuries before Jesus in the book of Psalms. 
He's applying that to Jesus. And he's saying, that psalm that you know, Psalm 69, yeah, it applies to Jesus. Jesus took the hit for us. And so then he continues. I want us to look at verse 5, 6, and 7. This is what we're going to focus on today. Because he really starts to drill down into community. Into community. And he says this. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I just want to, today as we talk about a vision for community at the vine, I want us to unpack this text, 5, 6, and 7. I think there's so much force here that can just revolutionize and strengthen and encourage us. It's just a beautiful call for community in the church that I believe that if we take this seriously this morning, it's going to shape us into the kind of church that glorifies God and gives people great joy. And if you look at how it's structured, look at verse 5. It's just structured like a prayer. Paul is asking God to do something. So maybe, maybe this could be our prayer for the vine, for, for the beauty of community. Again, let's look at verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Now, I want to focus on this word harmony. Harmony is a musical word, right? It's a musical word. Harmony is when... There is a diversity of voices. And there maybe is one voice that's singing what's called the melody. That's the, what we are mostly all singing when we sing this morning in church. We're singing the melody. The, uh, whether, it's, whether it's Alan or whether it's Adriana, as they lead, they're singing the melody. But sometimes on top of the melody comes a different voice. And it's a complementary voice. And it highlights and it opens up and it makes this, uh, the, the music a little more complex, but it also has a chance to make it more beautiful. I remember as a kid, I was raised in the Lutheran church, and in the Lutheran church, we had Lutheran hymnals. And back then, you had like notes on a page, and it was like four-part harmony. And my, my mom and dad are musicians, and so they could read the music, or they could just kind of hear the harmonies, the different parts that you could sing to accompany the melody. And I remember sitting there in church listening to them, like, how do they do that? Like, that's kind of cool. Like, how do you go about just, like, making up another part, but it, it go totally goes with the melody, and they just kind of do that spontaneously, or they can read the music and just sing it and... I remember as a kid just being like, that's really cool. I want to be able to do that, but I can't do that. And then over time, through singing in choirs and, and, and practicing along with the radio, you just kind of get the hang of it. And I really started to like it. Like, wow, when there's a harmony that goes with the melody, it makes the music just kind of pop in a new way. And it's really exciting. It's really beautiful. And, and sometimes for me... And, and my kids as well, as they're, they're starting to learn how to sing harmony, um, it's hard to turn off that harmony impulse. You know, it's like, man, it's just, you're always just hearing the harmony. And it's like, can we just not do harmony nonstop all the time? You know, whether it's like in the van driving around or whatever. Um, but there's a reason why, why as human beings we might be drawn to that. Why we might be drawn to that. 
because it makes it more beautiful. There's diversity that brings unity, and it makes it more beautiful. It's a diversity of musical notes that come together to create very interesting sounds in one unified piece of music that we are just, uh, that appeals to us as human beings. Like, there's a reason why people go and listen to an orchestra. Like, if, if, if you go to the, the symphony orchestra, or you go to concerts on the square, and the whole, like, what is it, um, uh, is it 72? Is it 72, Linda? How many pieces in an orchestra? Is there a typical number? It varies. Okay. Uh, I thought there was like a typical number. Let's just say 72. There's 72. That's a good biblical number. Uh, there's 72. There's a 72-piece orchestra, and all 72 musicians are playing just the melody. Like, that would be boring, right? But it's when you have this unity in diversity that the music just comes alive. And you'll, you'll pay to hear that. You wouldn't pay to just hear 72 musicians play the same melody line. Like, that'd be boring. And Paul's saying something very similar as we think about this concept and apply it to life in the church. And he's, he's saying harmony, and you could think about it like this. Like, we're all singing the same song. We're all reading the same music. We're all playing the same piece and the music is all about Jesus. The title of the song is Jesus and, and, and God and his glory. Like it says in the text, look at the text. In harmony with one another, in accord with, united to, agreeing on uh, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the title of the song. The music's all about Jesus. And now there's diversity of parts that we sing to accomplish the beauty of performing this piece of music. You with me? See, if we're not in accord, like it says in verse 5, like let's say we were not in agreement on the title of the song. And you over here, like this group of people were singing a song about uh, the tree outside the window. And this group of people were singing a song about how crazy the belt line is with traffic at five o'clock and you guys were singing a song about Madison politics. Like that'd be a weird song, right? That would just be like this cacophony of musical madness because we're not in agreement on what the song is. And that's what Paul is saying. It's like you got to agree that it's in accord with Christ Jesus. Jesus is the title of the song. If we all agree that the song is about Jesus, when we sing in harmony with one another, you know, maybe three-part harmony with, with different sections in the room, that's when community really starts to look beautiful. But we got to agree on the song. Jesus is the song, okay? So verse 5, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live you. That, remember, this you is plural. He's not writing this to one person. He's writing this to a group of people. So it's a plural you. That y'all, uh, you with me? Yeah? Yous guys? Anybody go with yous guys? That's like a northern Wisconsin thing, I think. No? Morgan's not down with yous guys. Uh, y'all, yous guys, um, what else do we say for plural you? You guys? Yeah? So that's what Paul is saying here, okay? That's the translation uh, if you want to be literal. Okay, so it's, it's a group of people. It's not just us in isolation. It's not just, he's not writing this to one person. So it may grant you to live in such harmony 
Okay, that, that applies diversity with unity, with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. And here's the kicker, verse 6. That together you may with one voice, so there's that unity. It's one voice, diverse, but it's one. With one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So look at what he's doing here. Paul is saying that there's, there's a goal here to this unity that he's talking about. There, there's, a, there's a goal, right? It's going to create something. That's why the first word in verse 6 is that, or like so that, in order that something may be accomplished. That's what that means, okay? So what does he want to see accomplished? The whole point is this. God's goal for our community would be that we would together, what does it say? Give glory. Give God the glory. That, look at it, verse 6. That together, your unity, together you may with one voice, there's unity again. What's the goal of our unity? To glorify God. You see that in the text? You convinced from the text? Don't believe me, believe the text. Right? That's what it says. That we're called together to glorify God. So here's the implication. Community ultimately isn't even about us. You feel that? Now, we participate, but the goal does not terminate on us as human beings. The goal terminates on God and his glory. So... So the whole idea is, is not that we would just stare at each other in community, but rather that we would stare at God and his greatness together, his beauty, his goodness, his perfection, his creativity, his unfailing love, his abounding kindness to us in Jesus. And then as we collectively together look at the greatness of our God as it's maybe revealed in creation, revealed in God's word, we stand back and we go, wow, man, our, so there's the unity, our God is so glorious. Do you, do you see what I'm seeing? I mean, look at the word here. You see what I'm saying? Man, Jesus is amazing. Look, look, we go on a camping trip together and there's an amazing sunset. Man, look at what God has done in creation. I'm reminded of Psalm 19 where it says, the, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. Did you hear that? The, the heavens, the creation, it's speaking something. And what it says is God is glorious. When you see a sunset, you should remember Psalm 19. This is a reminder. God is speaking to me right now. The Bible says that God speaks. He speaks today. And he speaks when you look at that sunset and you look at that beautiful tree with the fall colors. Creation speaks and the message is God is glorious. And, and you stand back and you say, wow, look at these image bearers of God. That's another sign. Man, how glorious is God that he would create human beings that have a mind like ours, have, have hands that can do what our hands do. Like with the, whatever, how many bones in the human hand? It's a lot, right? And they all work together. My, my wife's a genius with anatomy, so um, she used to teach that, so that's why I asked her. But... Um, the human hand is just so diverse. You can look at that and go, man, God is glorious. You can just look at anything. Like we're image bearers of God and just our physical presence reminds us, and God is glorious. 
So our, our diversity of singing creates one unified song, and the title of that song is Jesus. The title of that song is Our God is Glorious. And that's what Paul is saying. That's what Paul is saying in terms of when community gets really good, when community gets really beautiful, when this church starts to be a place where you really want to be a part of what's going on because this is happening. It's not when we're collectively navel-gazing, right? It's not when we're collectively phone-gazing. It's when we're collectively God-gazing. And we all have that sense of, wow, together we have the sense that our God is glorious. Look at what he's done. If, if you've got a group of people that's doing that together, that's when community gets really sweet. That's Paul's vision for community. So let me illustrate this. I think some of you, if not all of us, can relate to this. So have you ever been on maybe some type of expedition with another group of people where you got to experience just the beauty of God's creation together? So I've had a lot of experiences like that. We went to see a, this massive, massive waterfall in Ecuador one time. I mean, just millions of gallons every, probably every minute. I mean, just the thunder of this thing was just amazing. Um, Rocky Mountain National Park, when I was a senior in high school, and I'd never seen stars like that in my life. I mean, it felt like you're just looking at billions of stars because there's no light pollution and you're way up high. Uh, another Ecuador trip, we got to, like, go to the deep Amazonian jungle. And I never experienced anything like that. I mean, I was just a simple piano-playing kid from Iowa. You know what I mean? And I, I'm all of a sudden in the, in the jungle of, of the Amazon, and it's like, wow, this is intense. This is amazing. So maybe you're on some journey with a group of people, and you get to experience just infinite grandeur. Maybe you go to the Grand Canyon together. Or maybe you, you hike Machu Picchu in Peru or wherever. Maybe it's the, the stars like you've never seen it before. And, and, and you stand on the edge of the ocean. You stand on the top of that mountain. You stand on the, the cliff of the Grand Canyon and you think, Man, in light of what's in front of me right now, I've never felt so small. And I've never felt so alive. You know what I mean? Like I'm not staring at my phone. I'm not thinking about myself. I'm looking at what's in front of me. And it's very, very humbling. And I just feel alive because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking at Twitter and I'm not looking at myself. And here's the thing, you're doing that together. You're with that group of people. And you turn to each other and you say, man, have you ever seen stars like this? Like, this is wild. Look at the grandeur of this. Can you believe we're in the Amazon jungle right now? Like, this is wild. Like, James has a memory of walking across the river in the Amazon jungle with this rickety, crickety bridge and he's with another group of people and they will always have that memory of like you 
you remember that when I walked across that bridge and you all thought I was going to die and it was really scary and we're in the jungle together and there's the beauty and the grandeur of it? Man, like the Grand Canyon, you're just like, man, I can't take my eyes off this. This is so beautiful. And, and you look to one another and you say that to one another. Like, have you ever had that experience with other people? I think what you, if you really reflect on it, that has a profound unifying effect. As we, as we stare at grandeur, infinite beauty that our minds can barely grasp, when we do that together, that has a unifying aspect. Like we have a collective memory. Remember when we went to the Amazon jungle? Remember when we were on top of that mountain and we saw those shooting stars? We weren't talking about each other. We were just looking at, at glory. And man, it humbled us all, and as a result, we felt united. It's like we had a glimmer of self-forgetfulness because there's something better than ourselves that we were taking in. And that's what Paul is saying here. See, what often happens in community is we just stare at one another. It, a lot of times it's because uh, we have no sense of our mission as a church. So we're not looking out. We're just looking in at myself or at one another. And, and churches that oftentimes do that, maybe they're defined by what they're against. And they just think about us versus them. And then eventually they start to de devour each other because I start to find that, well, there's some things in your heart or in your preferences that I'm against too. And we just keep staring at each other and that's all I'm consumed with is that you're just in my small group and we just look at each other constantly and I'm starting to get annoyed with you. And then the Bible says that we can bite and devour each other. Like if you're just staring at each other all day, and human nature oftentimes takes over, and we just, we just destroy each other, right? But when you have your eyes on something different, whether it's our unified goal to make disciples and plant churches, and we're thinking about that more than we're just thinking about each other, and your preferences are weird, and you're kind of driving me nuts, right? You feel the difference? See, that's what Paul's getting at here. Take your eyes off yourselves, take your eyes off each other, and just look at God and, and see what will happen to your unity, right? It's like the more we talk about ourselves, the less tight and beautiful our community will be. Now, hear me. There are times when we have to talk about ourselves, and, we, and it's very biblical to bear one another's burdens, and we talk about our burdens. Yes, Amen. But we, I think as a culture, we've swung so far towards me and my feelings. It's all about me and my feelings. And you need to know about me and my feelings. And I'm going to put it all over social media about me and my feelings. Right? And Paul's saying, no, 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 let's swing back. It's, life's more, about, more than you and your feelings. And in fact, that's just going to lead you to get more and more anxious and depressed as you focus on yourself. And drive each other nuts as we just are constantly blaring about us and our feelings to one another. And, and there's a, the, yes, 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 there's a time for that. But just 
Keep in mind, culturally, we're swinging so hard this way. The Bible wants us to swing back. And just remember, you weren't created for you and your feelings. You were created for God. Okay? And the more that we can get God in our vision and glorify him, the more sweet our community will be. And then we'll actually have a perspective to talk about you and your feelings and have it go well, right? Because ultimately, I'm just going to not leave you there with your feelings. I'm going to, after compassion and gentleness and listening, I'm going to remind you, man, we got to orient ourselves back to the Lord and who he is and what he's done and what he has to say about you and your feelings or me and my feelings, all right? I'm way off script. Uh, Let's get back to the text. Uh, Verse 7 is where we want to land the plane here. So what does Paul said? He says that together you may with one voice, again, God and his glory is the goal, glorify the Lord, the Father of Jesus Christ. And now verse 7, he says, therefore, meaning in light of everything I've just said, there's something for you to do. Okay? It says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And we could preach the whole sermon just here, but give me five minutes and then we'll be done. He says, therefore, meaning in light of your unity, in light of what I've established and what I've already said in the whole book of Romans, especially verses five and six here, in light of your shared vision for God's glory that, that you look at together over and over again, remind each other of, here's what I want you to do. I want you to welcome each other. I want you to welcome each other. I want you to put the welcome mat out in your relationships Arms open, practice hospitality, you know, literally and also figuratively. We are a welcoming people. But then the question becomes, why? Paul, why should I do that? And it's good. I think it's very okay to ask why with a humble heart. Because if you ask that question of your Bible, oftentimes the Bible is going to answer you. And I'm going to show you how the Bible answers the why question right now. He tells us, here's why. It's real simple. Because Christ has welcomed you. See that in the text? As Christ has welcomed you. He's just saying in light of the fact that Christ has welcomed you. Remember, remember the cross and the empty tomb and how Christ has made a way for you to not be alienated, strangers and aliens from Christ. But he's made a way for you to be welcomed where where Christ puts the welcome mat out in his house It's his property. And he says, hey, I want you in here. I want you to come hang out with me. We're going to have food. We're going to have fellowship. We're going to be together. And it's going to be beautiful beyond what you could imagine. That's what Paul is saying. Remember, this is who you are. Christ has welcomed you. That's your identity. You are one who has been welcomed by Christ. If you're in Christ this morning, if you repented of your sin and trusted Jesus enough to treasure him and follow him, if that's who you are, then this is your identity. The Bible just says it. You you aren't your feelings. You are who God says you are. So who does God say you are? God says that you're one who has been welcomed by Christ. That's who you are. Isn't that beautiful? And so now in light of your identity, you're going to remember who you are And live like it. So what that means is, in light of who I am and who God says I am, and and, and he says I've been welcomed, so how could I not be the most welcoming person you've ever seen? 
So here's how this comes alive. Here's one idea. Before you walk into church on a Sunday morning, before you open up the front door of someone's house to go to your city group, just pause. Hand on the knob. You're going to pause and I'm going to say, maybe you've memorized Romans 15, 7. I think we also do it. It'll revolutionize this church. This is who I am. I am one who has been welcomed by Christ. So as I walk in this door, God, would you help me be who you say I am? One who is so welcoming. Would you help me, God, to live out this identity that you've spoken over me? And may that affect how I relate to your people in, in this context on Sunday morning, in Citigroup, or any other context. Would you help me be welcoming with those that don't know you? That might show up here, my neighborhood, my workplace, in a city group. I have been welcomed by Jesus, so that's going to affect how I see everybody else. Can you taste how that would really change? If we all did that collectively, can you imagine how beautiful our communities would be? I just got a mindset to be welcoming. Y'all know someone in your life who's like super welcoming. And they just do a great job with that. That's what God calls us to. Not that we're all going to be the same. No, we all have diversity of gifts. But we at least are thinking about it. At least we're thinking about it, right? So what's the reason? Here's, here's the last thing. What's the reason for us for doing this, for being this? What's the whole point? Again, Paul orients us to orbit around the glory of God. See it there? It's all for something. What does it say? For All this welcoming business is for the glory of God. Again, it's not even about you. It's about God and making him look good. It's about God and his greatness and pointing others to see that. It's all for the glory of God. So how does this... Another question. How does this community mindset give God glory? Well, it's because, here's the thing. When you walk into this church with the mindset of, I'm going to welcome as I've been welcomed by Jesus, that's going to create a very unique culture with a unique temperature, with a unique mindset and feel. And people can sense it and they can smell a difference. Like, this feels different. This smells different than how I get welcomed at work or maybe how I was welcomed or not welcomed in, in, an, in a neighborhood. And people will be like, some people, not everybody, but some people will be like, and you guys are unique around here. Like you guys have been so welcoming. I've heard that from lots of new people that you guys are doing a great job at this. Just being welcoming. Not just being a church of collective navel gazers, but eyes up. Who's here that I can show love to? Who's here that I can welcome? Who's here that, that might feel isolated? And I want to I I help them put that aside. So when that happens, when this verse comes alive in our community, people will notice. And then they'll ask. And then you could say, you know what? This isn't even about me. God has done a work in my heart. He gets the glory. He saved me through the cross, the empty tomb. And he's welcomed me. So in light of that, how could I not be welcoming? It's, it's God's work alive in me. You need to share, share the gospel. It's a great way to share the gospel. And then as a result, all of a sudden, God is getting glory because you're sharing about him 
It's not even about you. It's not, yeah, you know what? I am pretty awesome and I am pretty welcoming. That's me and my glory. See, we don't say that, do we? We say, this is, this is what God has done in my life. That gives glory to God. So here's the, here's the summary. We sing in beautiful harmony with one another. Jesus is the title of the song. And this song is also a song about God's greatness, his glory, his grandeur, his beauty, his worthiness. And when we have this collective focus, not on ourselves, but on God and his greatness, and we remind each other of that, we stare at it together in the word or, or other ways in creation, we become deeply united in a way that demands an explanation. Okay? So the, the application, especially if you're new here this morning, the application is that we have two main ways that we do community at the Vine, where we practice these things at the Vine. It's Sunday morning, and it's what we call city groups. And so we just want to call you to be in a city group. We want to call you to be here on Sunday morning. So like, there's a reason why we sing on a Sunday morning. It's not just because we're trying to fill time with something better to do. You know what I mean? Like, how can we fill up this hour on Sunday? Oh, I know. We should sing some songs. Um, no, that's not it at all. It's because singing actually makes this verse come alive. Singing is the embodiment of this verse. One voice, unity, but diversity, singing about God. Like, that has a unifying effect. Our goal is unity. And singing helps us do that. There's a reason why, like, every country in the world has a national anthem, and most people don't sing those national anthems, like, by themselves in their bedroom, right? They sing it when they get together because they want to be unified as citizens of a nation, have pride in their nation. How much more should citizens of God's kingdom do that and sing with joy on a Sunday morning, right? And so... We call you to, to Sunday morning, the Lord's table, sitting under the authority of God's word, just seeing each other, having an opportunity, another touch point to be together. And then city groups. City groups is where we gather in smaller groups, hopefully geographically, um, like uh, geographically being in proximity to one another geographically. And, and so it's kind of like the main flow of community other than Sunday morning at the Vine. And so if you're not in a city group, we would just say that, that you're just going to be missing a huge part of what discipleship looks like at the Vine. And so we just call you to get in one. There's lots of ways to do church. We're not saying this is the best way or the only way. We're just saying this is our way. And uh, so we just call you to be in a city group. And here's the, here's the deal. Our city groups are never going to be perfect. We don't have a, a vision of like some type of communal utopia, right? We're in process so I'm not hyping our city groups because they're just this amazingly awesome thing, although I do think our leaders are doing a really faithful job. I do. It's never going to be perfect. Christian community is never going to be perfect because you're in it, right? I'm in it, right? I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We will be tempted to mess it up. But the more that we stop looking at ourselves all the time, as important as that is sometimes, and look to God and his word Man, we got a chance to, for community to be really beautiful. The more we take this, this text to heart and seek to live it out, there's a chance. That's not ever going to be perfect, but it can be really good. It can be really good. So we call you to dive in. Let's dive in with this vision of community and see what happens. I think God, by his spirit and the power of his word, is poised to do really cool things in our midst when we take that seriously. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. 
Father, would you help us? Would you help us see this text come alive? Would you make us a community that's so focused on you that people just taste that it's unique? And you can get glory from that as we talk about why. Would you make that true of us? In Jesus' name, amen.